This is Alicia Free, a badass belly dancer, musician, and real food enthusiast, here to help you feel a little lighter. Each show will dive into music that makes us want to dance. We'll share secrets of looking smoking hot in costume and everyday life. We'll dote on delicious whole food that makes us glow. And I'll throw in a damn sexy dance move you can try at home. Xin Chao from Vietnam. Got another great interview coming your way that I'm editing on the road. I am so pleased to feature Tessa Trueheart, a.k.a. Tessa Myers, a friend of mine for years and years that I've had the honor of performing with in many occasions. Tessa and Joe Boring, who I will also feature in another podcast, own a wonderful studio together high up in an old factory building. And there are corsets and undies all over the place because it is a corset company. How cool is that? So Tessa is from Ithaca, New York, and she graduated with a BA in arts education and a minor in dance. With nothing to lose after graduating, Tessa uplifted and moved across the country to land in San Francisco, California. An immense love for this art form and her adventurous and determined spirit quickly took her through the ranks, first performing with Damage Control Dance, directed by Sarah Beyer, and then teaming up with Jill Parker, the mama of tribal fusion belly dance, working as the co-director to her company, the Foxglove Sweethearts, and traveling the world as an assistant teacher. Tessa is now the co-owner of Belly Set Go Studio in Cortland, New York. The website for their studio is bellysetgo.net, B-E-L-L-Y-S-E-T-G-O.net. Tessa strives for technical proficiency, artistic integrity, and emotional strength. She is an inspirational, dynamic, gentle teacher. Tessa, do you have a danceable ritual that you would like to share? Danceable Ritual it's more something that I use before I perform, and I guess it's more something in my head. When I was in Middle East music and dance camp in the Redwood Forest, Saida was there teaching, and she gave this little story about how she was dancing with Farida, who was part of the Rada troupe. She had first moved to Egypt, and she was a young dancer there, and Farida watched her perform, and later that night, she told her that the next time you perform, you need to be more like a cat. So Sahara got on the stage the next day and was acting like an American an interpretation of what dancing like a cat might be so cute and kitten-like and sweet and when she got off the stage Farida told her that's not what I meant at all and I apologize if I'm butchering this lovely story that she told her Farida said no you must dance like a cat like a lioness who just got done eating her kill and is bathing on a rock and just fully satiated. And so now, whenever I perform, before I go on stage, it's just my mantra that I tell myself and it really helps me just be in my body. So I think we can dance a lot from our heads and it's just really beautiful when you can have those moments where you're just satiated and full and needing of nothing and in your body. A lioness that has just eaten her kill and is sunbathing on a rock. Yes. Wow. <laughs> I love it. I have loved watching you fuse burlesque and belly dance over the years. It just keeps getting better and better. It's a whole realm that I don't have any experience in burlesque and the way that you put it together is so beautiful. The first performance is you were the featured belly dancer doing this beautiful belly dance thing that you do. And then you kept bringing in the two dance forms. They're bringing them closer together. What made you start performing with a burlesque troupe in the first place? So when I first moved back 
home to Ithaca after I was in San Francisco, I was looking for performance opportunities. And a local burlesque troupe, Whiskey Tango Sideshow, had just started. I think they were a year out in their development. And they were looking for acts. So I decided to audition. And they took me on. And then they used me as a guest so often. I just became one of the girls of the troupe. So that's how I started. I had no intention of ever really dipping my toes into burlesque. But Whiskey Tango was just a really amazing group. There's between six and eight women who normally dance. And I just was always awestruck by their creativity and their ability to make these sensual, interesting dances. I don't know, it was exciting and invigorating. I felt really connected to some of the movement that they did and just being a little more sensual in their bodies. And it's actually my favorite. I call it belly-esque. I know other people do belly-esque out there. It's kind of a generic overall term, but it's kind of my favorite thing to perform right now and teach because it's fun. People can let go a little bit more than in belly dance because it's less structured. So So cool. You were looking for a performance opportunity. The Mm -hmm. burlesque troupe was an opportunity and Mm -hmm. then you started to get into it. Mm -hmm. And I have to say the fantastic thing about burlesque is they always pay their performers. Right. Mm -hmm. People will pay money to see all kinds of exciting things like that, too. (laughs) I I mean, right? Yes. And that's the beauty, too, of the audience. All ages. Oh, it's everyone. Teenagers, people that look like the season pass holders at the theater that Mm -hmm. are in their 60s and their 70s. And there's something about burlesque that I feel is being elevated more. And Mm -hmm. I think there are less dance opportunities in general, performance opportunities. Unfortunately. Yeah. And less venues for even live music right now. A lot more people are just experiencing things through a screen. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that you're part of Burlaska and that they are paying you. (laughs) So I think the other thing that I found that I really loved about the burlesque world is the showgirl aesthetics and belly dance has jaw-dropping costumes and burlesque takes it to the next level and who can resist that i also do find that belly dance is a body positive world but the most famous dancers that get shown over and over really have the same body type which is slender and white presenting with long dark hair And in the burlesque world, you just see everyone of all shapes and sizes and colors and gender identifying being presented. And it's incredible on a really different level, I think, than belly dance. There's a much bigger spectrum. Much bigger. That's being presented and welcomed. And welcomed. And then really also headlined. In a 2014 episode of the podcast, Yip, which is another belly dance podcast, the mama of tribal fusion, Jill Parker, mentions Tessa. You two have a beautiful friendship. And I'd really like to thank you for introducing me to Jill and for organizing events with her so that I've been able to meet her and see her as a teacher and get to know her and her style because she's such a beautiful dancer with so much to share. Would you like to share some of the things that you've learned from studying with Jill Parker and performing with Jill? She's just an incredible person and an incredible teacher and a really great friend of mine and I don't feel like I would even still be dancing right now if she hadn't been my mentor through everything. I learned everything from Jill. (laughs) If you haven't studied with her and you're interested in belly dance, you should. She's a wealth of knowledge. Some of the most standout things that I've learned from Jill is that it's okay to just be totally yourself. Jill really emphasizes in her classes that everybody can have their own dance style and everyone should just be who they are as a dancer and really embody that and that no one needs to be a cookie cutter of her and even when I watch videos of her company now you can 
see that everyone still has their own kind of feel and take on everything, even though it is a cohesive look to not get caught up in the trends. Jill's has this old school, beautiful, juicy, grounded belly dance. And of course she incorporates new things as she learns them, but her style is really grounded in itself and she is unwavering in the fact that it's beautiful and that people appreciate it just for how it is in its simplicity, which I love about her. She doesn't get into that more is more belly dance. She's definitely a less is more belly dancer and just letting the movement speak for themselves. She's a really, really thoughtful teacher, and it's always incredible for me to watch her explain something to a room full of all levels of dancers. It's like uncanny her ability to be able to teach four dance levels at one time and her ability to get people going and then help like singular people out along on the way. It's definitely something I'm working on, but it's really beautiful to watch. I think I experienced one of your classes before I experienced Jill's uh-huh. and I remember thinking wow Tessa is so clear with the way <laughs> oh, you explain things so you. clearly and yes when you see Jill do that with a room of 60 people it's unreal you know and then she can actually explain it to everyone she can listen to the question and answer the question mm-hmm. directly which a lot mm-hmm. of teachers have trouble with mm-hmm. like she's handed that down to mm-hmm. you and I think also she has no fear taking people aside and helping them but making them feel good it's not like you're doing that wrong she can really pinpoint specific things that will help an individual and I feel like she usually frames it as this is how I'm doing the move. Mm-hmm. You could do it like I'm doing the move or you could do it another yeah. way. It's not like a right or wrong. No. It's like if you want to do it like I'm yes. doing it, this is how I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think she understands the mechanisms of the body and she can really see when someone is getting stuck in a certain place in their body. It's like a superpower. She has a lot of superpower. Yes, beautiful. Anything else you want to add about Jill? You should dance with her. Right? Mm -hmm. If you see her coming into your town, sign up for the workshop or the class. Yes. Or go to her. Go to her. She teaches mostly in California now, right? San Francisco she's based, yeah. I think she has like three or four classes a week. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. And Tessa's invited her over back on the East Coast. Yeah, any chance we could. Right? Thankfully, she has some family around here, so we keep getting her back. Not enough. Not enough. Jill. Come back more. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's time for some music. Danceable song. My danceable song is called Stalking by Dwayne Eddy. Hopefully that's how you say your name. It's like a twangy, sexy with an apostrophe. Oh, he's handsome. All right. So is it supposed to look 1950s? I mean, I think it's old. Have guitar, will travel. Yeah. Have twangy guitar, will travel. Twangy guitar, will travel. He looks a little Elvisy. He does look a little Elvisy. Mm-hmm. Oh, very good, Dwayne Eddy. <laughs> Tell us why you like this song. I've always liked things that sounded a little westerny. Joe, my dance partner, always teases me because she thinks everything I pick ends up sounding like it could be part of a saloon get up all the songs that i like are kind of low moody and juicy you can just get down be in your body everything's slow and then you combine it with a drum solo at the end that's right, right. pick it up at the end but i like slow moody anything uh-huh. that you could just be like deep and juicy in i'm there you were doing one of the beirut songs that was so beautiful mm. and so melancholy for a while yes so you like stuff that's moody, moody, slow, sexy, schmexy. Of course, it's got to be. Sh- oh, schmexy. Mm-hmm. Oh, new form of sexy. Oh, you've never heard schmexy? I schmexy? haven't. S C H E M X Y. 
<laughs> is that from that social media platform that you've been experimenting in? <laughs> no. What is it? Tinder? No, no. What is it? I can't remember what it's called. TikTok. TikTok. No, I think I made it up, but I'm sure people Ooh. use it. B-E-I-R-U-T. Oh, yes. I love all their stuff. Yeah, their stuff is beautiful. Some of their new stuff is a little indie rock for me. Mm. I do this one on a bayonet. Oh, that's right. Oh, God. There's something dancing to a trumpet. I'm sorry. Oh, I love There's... trumpets. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mariachi Balkan. Yes. <laughs> Especially because this one is Balkan, trumpet, moody, slow. Mm-hmm. Moody. That's the equation. That's the magic Tessa true heart <laughs> equation. <laughs> it's good to know what your equation is, right? Because then you got your go-to. You can always go out of that. Yeah, right. But you know what you like. Mm-hmm. I think you're the first person that ever said Lama Bada to me. I think you wanted to dance to the song Lama Bada, and I didn't even know what that was at that Shut point. Shut up, Seriously, yes, you did. I don't think I did. I have, like, every rendition of Lama Bada. <laughs> <laughs> I was in a Middle Eastern band at that point, but that's one of those songs that Middle Eastern bands are like, no, not again. Some of them yeah. are. The professionals that mm-hmm. play what, you know, all this stuff. Because it's that old Muasha. It is the Muasha, right? But I loved it. And you were like, I want to dance the Lamabada. She wants to dance the Lamabada. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds like the Lambada. Maybe it's because it sounds like the Lambada. Maybe. I remember one time Nikolai was like, oh, you dance to Samai. You understand 10-8 rhythms. I understand the melody of Lamabada. Right. I couldn't count that to save my life. But the melody really feels good in my body. And I remember Belly Dance Superstar Show in Syracuse. Oh. And they were playing live music and he put a 10 on at the end. And I was like, what's going on? <laughs> it's the melody that gets me. The melody of the song is very rhythmic. Mm-hmm. Yes. It is. Dun, 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 dun. The strings play the rhythm in the beginning of mm-hmm. it, which is really helpful. It is. Right? Yeah. Not in every version, but the version we play. Do you want to talk a little bit about Natasha Atlas? Sure. When I was trying to brainstorm about what my danceable song was, Natasha Atlas came to my mind. I do dance to some of her songs, but she's a little more upbeat than I'm used to. For people who are first getting into belly dance, if they ask me who's a good person to check out, I always tell them Natasha Atlas. All of her songs are beautiful and fun, and I just think she does an amazing job incorporating Arabic songs into this easy world world funky songs yeah she's got a lot more western action Mm -hmm. in her music that makes it easier for us to enter Mm -hmm. into her music Mm -hmm. they're good for classes Mm -hmm. they're always like a steady nice beat and like fun and beautiful Mm -hmm. that's a good point about natasha tess and i go to clubs a lot we go dancing all night long and hear all the popular music Mm -hmm. tess and i both have (laughs) three-year-olds right Mm -hmm. out every night the featured songs will always be available on Spotify on my Belly Dance Body and Soul playlist. Follow my playlist, listen for free, and dancing will become even easier with hundreds of diverse belly danceable songs, all curated for you and all on one list right at your fingertips. Just click on that Spotify icon on the top of aliciafree.com and it will take you right there. Let's do some dancing. Damn sexy dance move. What damn sexy dance move would you like to share? So I don't have a very good name for this dance move because I think every rendition I come up with sounds slightly like a sex move. (laughs) (laughs) A little inappropriate. So I either call it the turn and sit or the spin and sit. Yeah, mostly called the spin and sit. 
but if you have a better name, tell me. So the move is when you do a cross turn. So if you're standing, cross your right foot as far over your left foot as you can, and then kind of heel toe to spin yourself around. So you'll cross and then unwind. And you can do that just by itself. Or if you wanna do the spin and sit at the end, you're just gonna dive your hips. As you do the back of the turn, you'll dive your hips down and push them up to the right. So you'll cross and then start turning and on the back, sit. If you get going really fast, you can even add like a little hair head toss. So it could even be a hip circle that you sit into yes. when the butt is in the back. Mm -hmm. It's got that fast spin and at the end, you're just gonna sink and be all nice and heavy and juicy. Nice. I'll put a link to a video of this move in the show notes, and I keep adding helpful free dance videos on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook. Subscribe and the moves will keep coming. Now let's take a moment to dote on delicious whole food that makes us dancers glow. Featured light in my body food. What is one vegan whole food ingredient that you love? I don't eat a lot of vegan food, but when I do, it's dark chocolate. Yeah, there's not that many ingredients in dark chocolate. Most of it has like four. The stuff you get it, yeah, co-op like, uh -huh. stuff. Cacao, there's some sugar in there, mm -hmm. like an emulsifier. I usually do the 85% dark. Do you do anything with cacao? Is it cocoa or cacao? I don't know, are those different? I feel like hippies say cacao. Oh, maybe it's just <laughs> if you're bourgeois or hippie, you say My cacao. cacao. Oh boy. Mm -hmm. yep. How bougie are you? <laughs> depends on the vowels you pronounce and the ingredients mm -hmm. of a fine chocolate bar. Mm -hmm. I had no idea, so I looked this up after the interview and found that cacao and cocoa are both from the seeds of the cacao tree that grows near the equator, but they're a little different. The cacao seeds are fermented, chopped, crushed, and dried, and that's cacao. To make it cocoa, the beans are then roasted. Cocoa butter is another product that comes from the processing these seeds. Cacao is the most whole food form. Do you ever do anything with the powder? I put it in my coffee sometimes in the morning if I'm feeling fancy. A little mocha action. <laughs> oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. And then you wrote olives here too. I love olives. I think they're a good snack. I love olives. Do you? I, I never see them raw anywhere. Can you eat a raw olive? Like a not brine? Yeah. I don't think they taste good. Maybe they're just gross. Yeah, like you don't go to the olive tree and just pick it off and just eat it. Just pick it off fresh? Mm -mm. No. Does your son like olives? Oh, yeah. Aoife does too. I didn't like olives until I went to Morocco when I was 25. Oh, then you realize what you're missing. I had no idea. Because if your mom was like my mom, she just bought those black olives in the can. Oh, <laughs> those stuff? No, those are like, so those bad. Those are horrible. <laughs> Every Thanksgiving, we get a tall jar of these green olives with this red shit stuffed in them. It's like, what did you you do what did you do to these things no I went to Morocco mm -hmm. and this family took me out of the market and I was staying in their house because they were like you're alone what are you doing and they gave me this giant container of olives and I went on my way and I just kept eating them and I was like oh my god these are amazing I'm sure I'd never even tried them so I thought they all had to have the pimento yeah, in them. or the can of the black mm -hmm. ones mm -hmm. outrageous well we live in a great food world now at least in this area where we can get all kinds of delicious things <laughs> from all over the world let's play dress up Make you shine, costume tip. What is one costume tip you want to share? 
eyelashes. How do you put them on? You got tricks? I have small eyes, so I have to cut my eyelashes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I cut them like three quarters to halfway down. I start from the outside edge, cutting off the inside edge. I have kind of almond-shaped eyes. They're hooded. They're not very big. If I try to put a whole eyelash on there, it's just going to lift up on the inside corner. And I found that you can't really tell. So I think mostly it's about filling out your eyelashes and then having that like depth on the outside so they look nice and big and wooshy, sushi. But I think if I only had one minute to get ready, I'd put on my eyelashes. I've seen some of the Whiskey Tango shows where they switch their eyelashes between costumes. Like yeah. that's part of their costume switch action. Have you ever done that? <laughs> no. Oh my goodness. No, but one time I cut off part of my eyelash and added it to the bottom lid. Ooh. I think that's a drag queen. It looked good. Some people double their eyelashes. I don't think I cut mine enough because mine lift up a lot on the inside, especially. I think I got to cut them a little bit mm-hmm. more. There's a whole eyes episode too where we talk a little bit about eyes. Uh huh. Yeah. That's one of the most listened to episodes that oh. I put out there. I don't know which episode number it is, but we talk about eyelashes a little bit in there. You should. Yeah, it's like you actually put makeup on. If you don't have time to put makeup on you can just... and you slap those bad boys on, people are like, whoa, look, how'd you do that with your eyes? And then probably lipstick, right? Because otherwise your lips can kind of look washed out mm-hmm. if you don't have. I never wear lipstick. Now I'm starting to you think. Don't. Oh, no, no, I don't. If you do, don't do nude. Because then you really don't have any lips. Mm -hmm. Now, Joe Boring, she has some exciting lipstick colors I've seen. Yeah. I have to ask her about that. Orangey reds she uses a lot. And Joe is like, wear lipstick just on a regular day like a badass. Performance of everyday life. (laughs) Vibrant lipstick. I'm a make your own kind of girl too. Oh, yeah. Mostly because every time I've bought a costume, it fits like shit. (laughs) But it does. Like even places that I've turned in my measurements to mostly it's the bras i have this 350 dollars costume that i have to figure out how do you take it apart and put it back together so we might as well just start from square one yeah and one thing that i love about you performing too tessa i feel like i've seen you up on stage with a costume that wasn't quite finished and you just wore it anyway oh hell yeah <laughs> tuck that shit in yeah yeah you like tuck tuck that fabric right in the back and keep going Yes. <laughs> tuck that shit in. My costume tip is tuck that shit in. All right, here we go. I love following your Belly Set Go channel on YouTube that you guys have been cultivating and also following you as Tessa Trueheart on Instagram. You post such thoughtful pieces on Instagram. Oh, thank you. You do. It's such a wonderful insight into your life <laughs> and your integrity as a performer. One post you did on Instagram this past summer really stuck with me. You wrote, I almost never bear my belly outside performing and teaching, but today was a F those kind of thoughts day. That one just stuck with me so much because there was so much honesty in it, mm-hmm. you know? And on social media, a lot of times we're like, look at me, I'm doing something cool. But what mindset are you challenging was the question you asked in that post. And I really loved it. Can you tell me more about that? I've never been a thin lady. I've always had a voluptuous body and then I had my daughter and that changed my body a lot and it's been difficult. I'm always thankful to dancing because I feel like it's taken me into self-love and loving myself and appreciating my body. I definitely always feel fearless when I go on stage and I know I have something to give and I can always set aside what my body looks like and just go out there and dance and enjoy it. It's hard for me to do that in my daily life so I feel like I'm always a little bit straddled 
really in that diet culture and body love inhabiting yourself culture. And I think, unfortunately, not always, but on that day, it just hit me that I could fucking wear whatever I wanted. And I think I had a little skirt on and our belly set go crop top and I felt like a million dollars. And that's not something that I had always picked to go out in public in. And I know that there's probably a lot of women and men out there that don't feel comfortable picking the things that they want to wear because of how they look. So I felt like I needed to share it in that moment for myself and for other people. It's interesting because you know what you want to wear, but yeah. then you might take it another step and go, oh, but what's somebody else going to say about right. this? Who, right. Who really cares? And, like if you look in the mirror and you feel good or if you're walking around and you can't see yourself, but it feels good on your body, like, right, who cares? One thing I love about being in India, a lot of people wear mm-hmm. a choli, right? And they wear their sari over and they wear their skirt below and they have their midriff mm-hmm. showing. And it doesn't matter what that midriff Hello. looks like. Yeah. You know, it looks gorgeous wrapped in this fabric. You know Beautiful. what I mean? Yes. And I don't know if they have the same kinds of thoughts that we do about this and when wearing that particular style right. of clothing. I don't know if it's part of it. But in our tailored clothing world, there's so much bullshit that comes with having a size one and a mm-hmm. size two and a size mm-hmm. three. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of stretch marks when I was pregnant. It's just like my skin. I think I got stretch marks when I was growing too. I don't cover my belly when I'm performing and I don't wear a cover up over it either. And I've had a lot of women come up and tell me thanks for doing that. Like they didn't know that they could now that they had stretch marks. We just get such crazy shit in our head. Holding us back from what we want to do. As Will Durant said, we are what we repeatedly do. So let us repeatedly do what the divinely lovely do. Feel good. Look good habit. Do you have a feel-good, look-good habit that you want to share? Sure. So recently, I'm in this group on Facebook that Sarah Byer hosts. She's doing, like, coaching now instead of dancing. And she posted a video the other day that said she wanted to be a woman that took exquisite care of herself. Ooh. And then she kind of listed off the things that made her feel like she was taking exquisite care of herself. And some of the things are really simple, like she buys fresh flowers because that makes her feel good, or she lights candles or like she gets her nails done. So it did make me start to think, well, yeah, I want to be a person that takes exquisite care of myself. And am I doing that? And what does that mean to me? And I think everybody's is going to be different. So make your list, even if it's just three things to begin with, what makes you feel like you're taking exquisite care of yourself? Beautiful. One of my friends was locked up for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to meet with her in prison. And she said, when I get out of here, I'm going to wear a bra with underwire and I'm going to work out in a gym. And I was like, hell yeah. That meant yeah. something like that was exquisite care, mm-hmm. I think, to her. And it just mm-hmm. made me think about, yeah, what's important to me? What's the difference that makes a difference in my life? That little thing that I do that makes me feel so much better. So good. Like take a shower. Yeah, <laughs> for real. Some of the things on my list are things that make me feel a little bit petty. I think this is such an ingrained thing. But like, I feel a lot better when my legs are shaved mm-hmm. which is something that I never made time for being a mom so I've started doing that and I'm like every morning when I wake up and I got my smooth legs and I feel all so the habit is to figure out what habits make you feel good yeah, and do those and just do them mm-hmm. you've got time for it that's beautiful so my other one would be don't be afraid to look at yourself in the mirror and this came from when I lived in San Francisco I worked at the Lusty Lady which is a peep show 
Ooh. Whoa, there's a Netflix documentary on it. <laughs> they were the only unionized co-op peep show. They're unfortunately closed. Being a co-op, I don't think worked very well for them. But in a peep show, you're in a room and around you are mirrors everywhere. There's mirrors on the ceiling. There's mirrors everywhere. You look and you're naked. You have to be naked. It's part of the job. And being in a place where I had to look at myself naked made me realize how beautiful my body was and how interesting it was in different shapes and different positions and it was really like invigorating and enlivening and I think people don't look at themselves like maybe your face but to take time to look at your whole body in the mirror can be just a really beautiful experience and you probably had good light in that peep show hell yeah so, I mean, that, that's cool too right <laughs> I didn't know you did that I know it's a faux pas in the belly dance <laughs> You know, I was reading Alia Talbot's book, Midnight at the Crossroads, mm-hmm. Has Belly Dance Sold Its Soul? It's a great book. And she says, don't ever demean strippers. No. It's like part of our world in a sense. Like, yeah. I, I don't want to change what she was saying, but I just loved how straight up she said that because so many belly dancers have been like, I'm not a stripper. I'm not a stripper. Belly dance is different than exotic dancers. And I'm like, yeah, it's different. But do you really need to separate yourself? No. I don't know. Right. right. I met some really amazing, beautiful women while I worked at the peep show. I think they called working at the peep show sex work, and I never really like associated myself with that word. But some of the women were like sex workers. And it's just as like crazy to me to think that they should be separate. Like they're women who experience their body and sharing it and using it. They're business ladies. Yeah. They're business 